0: Alright everybody, welcome to episode 28 of NPC Talk. My name is Inkernaut, and today is uh, November 12th, 2015. And today I'm with a... He was a new guest last episode, but now he's pretty much a pro guest. Jeremy, hello. Hi. (laughs) Hello. Um... Really quick on NPC Talk News, this guy Jeremy has convinced me in, um, I would say, in deserved manner to play through Undertale, and so, so that is my Ooh. new, this is my new game project, is going through Undertale. You better
1: finish it yeah. so I can finish the NPC
0: Undertale. Yeah, podcast. yeah. Uh, probably, probably one more gaming session. Uh, we'll see when I can fit that. Ooh, maybe Friday.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Because I think I will have a different experience than you will when talking about the game.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally excited to talk about it. But for tonight, we have a top three episode with Jeremy. Jeremy. Boring. <laughs> Boring. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um... <laughs> Before we get into that, though, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself as a gamer?
1: Uh, Yeah, so I don't remember when I started gaming, unlike some of your guests who were just like busted out of your mother's womb and like immediately started playing video games. Yeah, good times. But um, I think it started when my dad... No, actually, I went to my grandpa's for Christmas one year, like when I was like four or five. Mm-hmm. And then my uncle had a... Um, Nintendo, just like good old fashioned Nintendo, mm-hmm. or not Super Nintendo, like the old whatever those machines were called. The like OG them. NES. Yeah, the thing where the card was like as big as like a postcard game <laughs> cartridge, and like you do go do good old fashioned like blow on and make sure it works. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, that's when I started playing video games. But I didn't actually become a serious video gamer until um, my dad got me a. Uh, Nintendo 64 for Christmas, Nice, nice. which uh, then introduced me to the wonderful world of gaming, and then that kind of slowly evolved into general video gaming, and then now I primarily play on the Xbox One mm-hmm. nice, nice. and the PC. So for all you uh, people wondering out there, I am Xbox One exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, I my knowledge about Xbox games tend to be a little bit more than PS4 cuz I could care less. <laughs> so, and PC is about general knowledge though. Nice, nice. Um that's about
0: it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So, for tonight we're doing a top 3. Are you ready for this, Jeremy? Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Dude, okay. I know it's a tough It's a tough uh, decision to pick just three games, but but what have you got for us tonight? All right,
1: so I'm counting down, right? Tim Chin kind of screwed it up in my head for a little bit. You can do it in whatever order you like, good sir. All right, I'm going to count down, so let's count down. All right. So let's go back to Christmas when I got my Nintendo 64. (laughs) Travel back in time. We're going back in time, way back then. Um, so the game I want to talk about is, uh, actually first, before I do this, um, do some shout out to some N64 games, Mario 64, one of them, of course. Super Smash, another one of those, of course, of course. and Kirby. Um, Ooh, Crystal Greenland? Shards? Crystal Shards, that's the one. Yeah, that was a good game. Yeah. Those will be my shout
0: outs, so <laughs> that
1: narrows it down to the game I'm going to talk about, which is... Star Fox 64.
0: Star Fox 64. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I've played. Um, a, I played a bunch of Star Fox 64 back in the day.
1: Oh, I love that game. That um, to me, that was the first video game where, again, also I got it for Christmas, so it does help that it was the only video game I had for a while. Nice, because I was, I was a you know, eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid that had no money. Right, right. So I only played what I had, but. Star, uh, Star Fox 64 was probably the first game that like I really really enjoyed, and I'm talking about like everything about the game like engrossed me to the point where like I would go to school and talk about like my friends like Hey, did you guys play Star Fox 64? Um, like, have you done so and so missions? Like, like how do you do this? Like, and then they'll talk about something, and I'm like, Oh, I didn't know you can do that. So, there's, like, there's a lot of things about the video game that I really like. Um, also, I just felt like. They did a really good job of like keeping you like engrossed in the video game. Yeah. Like you never really felt like you were outside of the video game. You always felt like connected to the video game.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I
1: think it really helped was the literally the NPCs of that video game, like Slippy, Falco, the Rabbit Guy, uh, that, Peppy Hair, Peppy. Yes. <laughs> like those three guys were just constantly yapping at you and are telling you to do stuff, and you can just kind of say no absolutely not. Yeah. Like, namely Slippy shouting, <laughs> help, every freaking level. Fox, we need a point, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? No, screw you. I'm done saving you. Like, I'm, this is, I'm gonna just watch you get slapped and I'm gonna be completely satisfied with that decision. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, that was, it was like one of those few games where like, it really engrossed me and like, in my opinion-slash-head, the way I've used Star Fox was... It was, like, the precursor to why I like Mass Effect 3. Ooh. Or just not, not Mass Effect 3, but the Mass Effect series. And pretty much any Bioware game that involves... Or, like, any game that involves, like, replayability. And, like, when you replay the game, you can actually get, like, almost a completely different experience. Yeah, yeah. Replaying So, um. Pretty much generally like the Bioware series about like the open re- like the open gameplay and how like certain decisions you make in the video game affect what happens in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think StarCraft or not Starcraft, I keep saying that. <laughs> Star Fox. <laughs> Maybe if you get Legacy of the Boy just came out, I'm thinking about that game right now. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Star Fox, it was like the game that uh it kinda like was that precursor for me to like Relearning like my like certain actions I have in the game affect future gameplay in the future. Like oh, yeah, just yeah, in the
0: yeah. Oh yeah, there was there was some pretty good stuff in Star Fox. Yeah. That, like affect like, gameplay.
1: I think the one that I can remember distinctly was literally um fighting what is it called? A spybot? Spyborg? Spybot? bot? No idea. It's a it was the let me look it up. But it was like the boss that you fight midway through the game, where uh, you, um, if you don't beat it in time, and pretty much, how I said earlier, I just let Slip, uh, Slippy get slapped. <laughs> like, you go to the planet Titania to rescue Slippy. Oh, interesting. But, I remember someone told me this on um, on like a uh, I can't remember, one of my friends was telling me like he had a completely different gameplay because he went to um, Sector D, which is um, it's a warp, tr- when you go through a warp level, which I didn't even know existed in the first place. Right, I remember getting to Sector Z was hard. Yeah, so I didn't know I even mean, you know that was a planet. I remember seeing it on the map, but I never knew how to get there. And so I was just like, oh, this, that's interesting. And then my friend also told me that there's another way to get to a different planet called Macbeth.
2: Hmm.
1: I... Which is pretty, like, you fight the boss on Sector X. Yeah, that was it. The Sector X boss. And she beat it in time before, like, Slippy doesn't get slapped pretty much. <laughs> or, like, just down. Like, it's literally, like, you fight a giant robot with a giant hand. Mm-hmm, and so he's mm-hmm. waving his hand left and right. And then Slippy, you just kind of watch him just get slapped to, like, death. <laughs> to, like, Titania. And then that, to me, part of me was like, good. And I not have to ever hear him again. Yeah, And yeah. then you learn the next mission. The next mission is like, we got to rescue Slippy. I'm like, gosh, dang it. <laughs> Why did I let him do that? <laughs> and, and then, Titania with that stupid, le- um, that stupid desert level, which I hated. Uh,
0: is it the one where you're on the Landmaster tank?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hated that level. <laughs> so, uh, so. that that was, that was yeah. That, was just like the precursor, of, like stuff like that. Also, in uh, Star Wolf, everything about Star Wolf. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like when you first see Star Wolf, you're um, given the option to pretty much kind of complete the mission, but you don't really focus on taking them out. Right. And then if you don't do that, they reappear later on in the mission. Right. Yeah. And yeah, they're yeah. really and they're, I remember them being really irritating in that mission. <laughs> you, not only do you have to take them out, but you have to like complete the mission in a certain time limit. Right. Right. Versus, if you took them out earlier in the mission, like, on that later mission, they don't come to, like, bug you, so... Mm. That, was, that was kind of what I really liked about Star Fox, was just the fact that small little actions earlier in-game affect future gameplay.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really was, like, like one of the... Like, kind of, like, the start for that kind of gameplay, but it's hard to notice, because it kind of seems so, like... So, it's so fluid in the way they do it. You don't kind of notice... All the differences.
1: Yeah, it was it was very like s- subtle, and it, in my opinion, it was like evidence of really good game planning and like game d- like development, mm-hmm. which is what I really liked. Like people, the team definitely put a lot of time and effort, and you could see it in the game because it's very polished, mm-hmm. which is one of my like gripes about like modern games nowadays. It's just like it doesn't seem like you can get, like, a completely fully polished game from, like, off the shelf anymore without it, like, having some sort of day one patch or something like that. Yeah, like, it's, like, a it's like fully polished, like, two years after release. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, like, I mean, in recent, like, you know, news, like, Fallout 4 is, like, what comes to mind. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't played the game myself yet, but just the recent complaints about it feeling essentially Fallout 3, but they didn't really address any of the bugs or issues. (laughs) Versus, like, you know, time travel back in time to, like, Star Fox, when you had less resources, less time, probably. Probably less time. Less, like, less of a budget, yet they can produce a way more polished game with a lot of, like, depth to it. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Um,
0: Yeah, so Star Fox 64 came out in June 30th, 1997 in uh, North America. And April 27th, 1997 in Japan. Um, Developed by Nintendo EAD. Uh, I'm not sure what that stands for. Um, But, oh, Entertainment Analysis and Development. Interesting. Hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think for Star Fox 64, one of the things I remember that stood out was it was one of the first games with, like, full-on, like, quote-unquote voice acting. Right? Oh, yeah, huh? Yeah, that, I didn't
1: think about that. That and the Rumble Pack. It was, it was like revolutionary. That, I forgot to mention, but the Rumble Pack made everything so different. It
0: was crazy. I, at first, I was like, this is dumb. Like, I can shake my controller. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But then, like, when you actually play it with Rumble, you're like, oh, it's pretty cool.
1: <laughs> I actually remember I, um, on um, one of the missions, I, like, one of the missions I, uh, replayed just to get a medal in. I took the Rubble Pack else to just play it. It felt so strange. <laughs> like it was, it just felt like, I don't know, like how to describe it. Like you just feel so lifeless playing the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rubble um, changed everything.
0: Yeah. So so there's this there's a Star Fox sixty four Nintendo Power promo video, and it's like it's really bad acting, and it's like. And it's like, um, like Sony and Sega, like they're the bad guys versus nin- Nintendo, and they like do, I like, do know what you're about. They do like really like <laughs> yeah, cheesy yeah. like tortures on uh, on a Mario doll, and like the Nintendo guys are yeah, like, like, <laughs> freaking out. I if I can find it, I will post it on um on our episode link, the description. Oh please do so. that
1: video. That video was so great. It's so
0: funny. It's so good. <laughs>
1: it, w- I remember it being kind
0: of long for some reason. They, it was it was um it was pretty long. They had a lot of uh, like sneak peeks into the following lineup afterwards.
1: Wasn't it on VHF? It was. It was. Yeah. I think I have that still.
0: <laughs> really? It was so it was so old. I need to find that. <laughs> um, but yeah, voice acting. I think it, uh, Star Fox sixty four was pretty revolutionary in that sense too, which it was really yeah. really cool.
1: You know, now that you mention that, like, that probably does help add to, like, the uh, the general, like, I guess, like, environmental feel you get from the game. Like, you just never, it, like, sucks you into the game. Yeah, the immersion. Yeah, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for, the immersion. Yeah. Like, yeah. it doesn't really, like, I was just gonna say, yeah, like, compared to, like, some of the other games that you used to play where, like, you had the silent hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
0: um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, especially, like, the way they did the voices, because, like, uh, I mean, Nintendo 64, the sound was pretty, like, it was already really good. But, um, like, it's still, I don't know, technology was still kind of old, so you don't have, like, HD sound or anything. So to kind of, yeah. t- to, like, compensate for that, but still make it really epic, is they use the, they use those sound elements to make it sound like they're actually talking to you through RadioCom and that's yeah sh- yeah yeah that's what they should sound like because you're in like freaking uh wing ships and so um yeah
1: and then yeah yeah and then i just remember like the little pictures come out and, like a mouse weren't synced at all but like they're just moving like they put an effort into making you feel like someone's talking to you oh <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah that's awesome um so have you played Star Fox for the super nintendo
1: uh, Yes, I did, actually. That was, I think, probably what convinced my parents to kind of, like, when they got me to N64 to make that the first game that, you know, like, I get along with the N64 for Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's because one of my, uh, like, one of our family friends, she had a Super Nintendo, and they had Star Fox on it. I remember, outside of Yoshi Island, that was probably the only other game that I would play at their house. Mm-hmm. And so, Yoshi Island didn't exist on the N64 yet, so they got me... You know, Star Fox. Nice,
0: so. nice. Yeah, the so for those of you who haven't played Star Fox for the SNES, um, it's pretty much exactly the same game as Star Fox sixty four, but like in like sixteen bit. And yeah, um, and usually I'm pretty biased against um against the sixty four uh, Nintendo sixty four games, just kind of copying their predecessors and then. You know, calling it 64, but Star Fox 64 really did a good job of polishing everything, like the the graphics and like the even like the frame rates. It feels so smooth yeah. when you play that game.
1: It like, was a smooth game back then.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like when you play uh, Star Fox on the SNES, um, it it's really choppy, and, and it's a great game. But you you feel that like that they had technology that they were ready to use, but like it. The SNES just wasn't powerful enough, and then the N sixty four really like unlocked that game. And like, I give it props; they did a good job with
1: it. Didn't they try to use like that? It was like a makeshift three D almost,
0: or not yeah. three dimensional.
1: Yeah, but like it was like the sort of like the weird Mortal Kombat where they try to make it like they try to superimpose three D on a two D game. Yeah, yeah it it kind of it kind of felt three D almost.
0: They they did a good job, but it was definitely, um, um, past, past
1: their, they were definitely ahead of their time. Yeah. So I have to ask you, did you get the, uh, true ending in Star Fox 64 or did you have to like hunt around for it? Like, did you get it by yourself or did you have to like kind of look for information on how to get the true ending? Dude, I, I know I got it, but like, I I couldn't tell you how I got it. Like, Uh, yeah, yeah. Cause that one, I remember when my friend told me that, like, like uh, you know, spoiler alert for a hold of this game, uh, Seven. eighteen years old, eighteen year old game. So if you guys haven't played it, pause the podcast right now <laughs> and go play it. But spoiler alert, um, like you know, like when my I, when I remember beating Andross, and then like the like, credits go through, and you see like Andross in space, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, I guess they're making a sequel right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then my friend told me that like oh like his ending was a little bit different and like james mc uh or like james mccloud it was james, yeah yeah james. yeah james like his dad like popped up and like let him away and i was like i don't ever remember playing that oh, and man, so it's... i remember and like he just telling me like how he got to that point and i was like i don't remember doing any of that <laughs> so i remember like going back in my game and like looking like yeah i didn't even go any of those planets and i was like and that's when I discovered, like, oh, there's more to this game. And I had to re- I kind of replayed it just so I can get the quote-unquote true ending. But that was an amazing feeling for me. Yeah. Just that being able to go back and have something completely different the second time I play it through.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's super easy. The way the, the map is laid out with, like, with kind of, like, three paths, but you can kind of just go in between them. It yeah. Kind of, it kind of feels like you're just, like, oh, you know, maybe one planet is harder than the other. But, you know, it's the same thing. But really, it they're they're like plot, plot uh, divergence, and it's really neat.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it was just kind of like interesting that that format. And then I remember once I finally got the expert mode. Mm-hmm. Like I just remember <laughs> when I learned the the little logo trick. Uh, the one where you can move the sixty four around. Yeah, like you hold B and you move it around the <laughs> great, and they like they're just staring at it. I don't know why. But I remember, you know, seven-year-old, eight-year-old me being super entertained by that. And, like, every time one of my friends would come over to my house, I'm like, hey, guys, check this out. I can move the 64 logo and they're going to stare at it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, after that, they're like, oh, what happens after that? I'm like, nothing. Then the game starts. And then, and then, actually, speaking of my friends coming over, was the versus mode was a lot of fun, too. Dude, I, I suck at the versus mode. I can't. I'm <laughs> so bad. I mean, I was terrible at it, but it was a lot of fun, like, once you finally, like, took down one of your friends.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It was, um, it's kind of silly with the tank and the, um, on foot <laughs> mode. Those, yeah. those are silly, but if you can get, like, some some sick, like, R-Wing on R-Wing action, like, it, it's really, really cool. Yeah.
1: Those are, like, the best. Like, those are, like, those are what, like, that mode made split screen fun. Like, having friends come over and play oh, that game. Oh, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. So. That's, like, oh, I, man. Yeah. That, it was, that was definitely in my, my earlier childhood memories. I just remember, like, inviting my friends over, like, Friday, because, you know, we have school, and we can't play video games on weekdays. Or at right least right. I couldn't. So, like, Friday, like, hey, you want to come over to my house, and we're going to play, like, Star Fox? Or, also at the time, the big game was GoldenEye. Yeah. I never enjoyed that game, because I was so bad at it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, like, I could beat you in Star Fox, so, like, let's play Star Fox. <laughs> so... Dude,
0: that that was, like, the the apex of couch, like, local multiplayer gaming.
1: Yeah, that was... The N64 definitely got it right with, like, the whole 4-control report and just kind of allowing, like, you know, encouraging split-screen play. Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah, so I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. All right, man, that,
0: uh, yeah, Star Fox 64, sweet game uh awesome number three and i appreciate the shout outs the those are solid titles as well yeah uh, oh you
1: know, Omar, yeah. shout out to rampage
0: oh man rampage <laughs> that game was silly <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right all
0: right man um moving on number two what have you got
1: all right so this one um when you told me i needed to put together a top three to me it wasn't that hard Hmm until I actually decided to sit down and, like, think about who my top three were going to be. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm,
1: And then one and three were pretty obvious to me. Like, three was always going to be Star Fox. Mm-hmm. One is, we'll talk about it in the future. But two is, like, it kind of, like, felt like flavor of, of the year, almost. Oh, okay. Or just flavor of, like, the month. hmm mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think what helps Edge this one game in particular over the other one is how much more I enjoyed that one game. Okay. So now that okay. i built up a lot of hype, the two games I was deciding between is Halo two. Okay. Which, which got edged out by Bioshock one. Oh, Bioshock one. Ah, I, I have played Bioshock one. Oh, oh
0: man. Okay. Yeah. Uh, really quick shout outs to Halo two. I, I am not a Haloer by any means, but I respect Halo Two for being the crazy game that it is.
1: This is an amazing game. Yeah, and the amount of time I've spent perfecting all the little like competitive glitches in that game, dude. Yes, like I. That's why I was like, but to me again, like I guess what it ultimately comes down to is like the meat and gravy, which is the story. And mm. the game itself. The actual game itself. Which, Bioshock has surpassed Halo 2 in, like, every category. Mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. uh, Alright, so. This is gonna be pretty spoiler-heavy. Yeah, um, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are going to play Bioshock. Chris and I are gonna pause real quick. <laughs> Go play it. Okay. Welcome back to <laughs> NPC Talk. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> Um, before,
0: before we get into Bioshock, which I really want to talk about, um, Halo 2, I was really hyped for a Halo 2 anniversary or like the Halo anniversary Aww.
1: series. That was such a gorgeous game. Yeah, it was
0: beautiful. Um, but I think Halo 2, they like removed a lot of the competitive glitches. No, it, they kept them. Oh, they kept them really?
1: Yeah, they, uh, I think they kept it. I haven't actually played it competitively. Or I haven't played it online yet, mm-hmm. so I haven't really toyed around with the uh, the glitches in the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But supposedly, what the developers said when they remastered it was the, um you can keep it on the same engine that it was released with.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So I think they're lot They like they'll let you flip between like I guess the Halo Four engine and the Halo Two engine. Oh, that's right. That's right. But you could play on the Halo 2 engine, which will have all the same like little glitches that made the game so much fun. Right. Also, I'm still very bitter about um, you and your roommate <laughs> coming to a friend of ours' Halo tournament and just wrecking havoc on us.
0: <laughs> that was... Uh...
1: name is Spencer Hudden, if anyone <laughs> knows.
0: That was good times. <laughs> Not um, a good time. Uh, I think for Halo 2 Anniversary the competitive scene plays on the Halo 4 engine Cause it oh does it? Yeah, cuz it was really smooth and they didn't like do any like glitchy stuff, which I was kind of like, "Oh, it seems so standard." So. But anyway, the let's move on to BioShock because I'm so excited to talk about this. Yes. Um Jeremy is the one who introduced me and um and made me play BioShock and it was totally worth it.
1: Oh, yes. It's such an amazing game. Um, I think my favorite part about the game was the fact that it was never at once listed as a potential horror game. (laughs) I don't know why not. Like, I really don't know why not. It was not... I don't think I've ever seen it labeled as a horror game or a survival thriller game. But, I mean... It wasn't. No, it was never labeled that way. Yeah, but everything about that game just... It it scares you.
0: That game is so scary. It's not even funny. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, actually, it's pretty funny, but.
1: Well, no, it's it's very funny, <laughs> it's but it, funny. it is like so borderline, scary. like borderline. I don't remember ever signing up for this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I enjoyed every second of that game. Um
0: uh, Wait. Okay. Uh. Really quick. Uh. Bioshock, made by Two uh, K Games. hmm Um. Released august 21st 2007 and um and i played about i would say i played about mm, a third of the game by myself and then i was like jeremy this game is way too scary i can't play this by myself and then you had to come over yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and pretty much hold my hand through the game because it was so frightening I remember telling you when like I remember certain specific jump scares that I, I couldn't remember. Yeah, I was so happy you were there. I was like, Oh, I could not have done this. <laughs> <laughs> oh but but the payoff for completing the game is so good. Yeah, so so good. Um gee, I don't even know where to start with this game. Where do we start? Um oh, Dude, let's start
0: let's start with um with the environment. What what okay what kind of environment is Bioshock?
1: Alright, so, Bioshock is a game that takes place in the, I want to say, the 30s. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Uh, 1960. Uh, 1960s. I was completely wrong. <laughs> uh, but either way, it took place a while ago. And um, it takes place in what's called, like, a. it was a utopia. Now a formerly utopian society, now dystopian society. Yeah um in it's like in a completely submerged city. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um and the basic premise of the city was uh the founder of the city, Andrew Ryan. Yeah. Um what became very disillusioned with the surface world or like like the real world on earth, I guess on land, and he wanted to build this utopia where it would be essentially like Free, like, flowing of, like, artistic ideas, knowledge, like, philosophy. Um, I think, like, there was, like, some jo- um, socialist, socialism ideals in there. Um, yep, yep. But, like, it was, like, he wanted this utopia where, like, people would flourish. And in the process of making that, um, cross, um, utopia, they discovered these, like, sea slugs that gave people certain abilities. Um, these sea slugs I think, are labeled as they are like they become plasmids, mm-hmm. and those plasmids would give you certain abilities. Um, which intentionally or initially were used to enrich your life
0: mm-hmm. as a citizen
1: of this utopia. But then I guess I didn't read too much of the lore. And I probably missed one or two of the um, the various like little tapes that you listen through while while you're playing the game, mm-hmm. the audio logs. But essentially, it's implied that the uh, these plasmas made you like a little bit like unstable in the head and technically insane.
0: <laughs> technically,
1: I guess. <laughs> technically, I guess they, you know they were never officially diagnosed for you know, obvious reasons because no psychiatrist went down there, but or the psychiatrist probably went mad himself, which is not unlikely. Right. Right. <laughs> but um, and so what happens is now you're this character that um gets into the city and it's like what you see is like remnants of greatness, but you get like this very eerie sense that like it's just everything's like in ruins and like it's just, and everything like I think it's just what it kinda what the game does really well it's pla um preys on like people's like inner claustrophobia. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah definitely everywhere you, like every time you look outside a window it's just water. Like, yeah just the sea. And you like you just realize I'm at the bottom of the sea. Like, there's nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah, you're, like, dude, escaping this place is, like, not an option. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so so you, now, like, the environment is, like, this very eerie, like, desolate place where there's not a lot of life. And you can see, like, remnants of what used to be a great society, but now it's just kind of dead.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So, that's essentially the environment. Yeah,
0: yeah, and so... um so what Bioshock did really well, and uh, Jeremy kind of touched upon it, is, like, the, the environment um, does its job, is, like, the best way of saying it. Like, it, um, it's claustrophobic, it's dark, um, there's, like, places where, like, you know, it's li- lit up, but then you'll see, like, you know, signs hanging from, like, its hinges and, um, like, l- like, electricity sparking and creepy music in the background. Well, it's not, okay, it's not creepy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just in the context.
0: I, okay, yeah, I guess. I guess. Every, like, the environment that you're put in is just so well put together that no matter what happens, it just adds to it. And you're like, yeah. like wow, can you can you not? I mean, because it's scary. You're like, can you not do it so well?
1: <laughs> Actually, speaking about that, like, just the lighting, was, that's one thing this game did very well, even for, like, 360 graphics
2: mm-hmm.
1: granted like the pc mods made it so much better looking oh but, but with the limited capabilities of like a 360 like a xbox 360 which mm-hmm. i think was originally re- released for with the xbox 360 mm-hmm. but it was the lighting is what added to the like just the environment like the tones. because one thing that the game does a lot it does spotlighting so well yeah yeah, it like spot like a little spotlight like a door, and you just stare at it. Like, you want me to go in there? I really like, don't
2: want.
1: it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or uh, like the lights will turn on and off, mm-hmm. and like things will like things will move a little bit, like just a little bit. And you're like, okay, something's alive in here. I know something's alive. Yeah. I just don't know where it is, but there's something. <laughs> there's something in here with me. Uh, it's the worst when like
0: um you enter a door and it's just like. Something like a long hallway, or
1: like yeah, just and a... you have one light that's just out, <laughs> and you're like, "Is that pocket of darkness gonna get me?"
0: <laughs> like, can you, like, can we not, like, go through here right now? <laughs>
1: yeah. Um.
0: So, so the environment, um, yeah, it it's really well done, and it ties into the gameplay pretty well. So, yes. um, yeah, why don't you just touch upon that
1: a little bit? Okay so do i does it how would gameplay include talking about the lead character yet the lead hero yeah or, yeah I, I can see that yeah okay because you kind of need to so should i touch up a little bit on his intro story oh i'll do it anyways okay so so your lead protagonist this is another thing about the game that does really well is it starts off with the mystery <laughs> like normally it's like Certain video, like most video games nowadays, is very established who your protagonist was or where they came from. Mm-hmm. This video game literally starts with you staring at a wallet in a plane, and then the next thing you know, like it goes like the little credits, and all of a sudden the plane's crashing, and now you're in the bot, like you're in the ocean. <laughs> and you know, you your character kind of gets out, swims to a lighthouse. You see a lighthouse, you swim to the lighthouse, and just coincidentally, that lighthouse has this um these little like underwater pods called Mm-hmm. which will transfer you to um, Rapture. Right. So when you get to Rapture, um, it's, it, it starts with like that eerie, like old time video. It's like, hello, well, I see you have entered the Dathosphere. Let me tell you a little bit about Rapture. <laughs> and it, like, it's like this little intro video about like why it was so great. Like, it's like, it's not the video. is not aware of what happened to Rapture, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's just saying like, "Oh, it's so great!" And then all of a sudden, like, like the video kind of screen like lifts up, and you see the city, and the city is just kind of dark. You see a couple of lights on here and there. It's like kind of has this eerie feeling to it. And then you finally get into the scene, and what makes the gameplay unique is most of the characters that you interact with, you never really see their face. Yeah. It's, Is done primarily through radio transmission, Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: which again I think it plays well into the theme of the game, which is like they want to keep in that 1960s. So there's not a lot of technology like video technology or like that we can like broadcast like people's faces. Mm -hmm. So they communicate primarily via radio. Mm -hmm. And so when you get in there, like the first thing you hear is like some guy like telling you like be careful. And then you just watch him get slaughtered. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like like you just hear like you hear this guy like, hey, like, be careful, and then all of a sudden you hear like something menacing in the background, and then you see this guy just just get slammed against your window and his blood is everywhere. And and that's when you realize, okay, this game may not be a happy game. (laughs) And then um And then, like, that's when you you get your first radio transmission, which is, uh, this guy named Atlas. Yep. He, he, he radios you and says, like, oh, hey, would you kindly, would you kindly, like, open the door? Uh Uh-huh. Or, like, or would you kindly get the heck out of there, like, you know, and find safety? Yeah. And, like, you, like, you hear, like, murmuring to, like, the psychotic thing that just killed the guy. And, um. You're just at that point, you're just panicking. You're like, I don't know what to do. Like, this game has literally no introduction on what I'm supposed to be doing. So, the only thing that you're told right away is you have a joystick, you use that to move, you use this other joystick to look good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you're just scrambling around, and the whole time the game's kind of like it, it communicates you via radio transmission. So, like, he eventually tells you to go pick up a wrench, which you then use as a weapon. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the game kind of picks up from there. Um, and essentially what happens, it boils down to then, like, you kind of maneuver like the first couple minutes is just you trying to figure out what is going on. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just running around, like, hitting people. You, I think you find a revolver first, and you start shooting people. Like, And the people you're shooting are called splicers, by the way. Yep, yep. Which I think it's important to talk about. So earlier I mentioned about, like, the former citizens would run a little bit insane because mm-hmm. of their plasma abilities. Mm-hmm. So... The splicers are your generic um, antagonistic peon villains that you run into. Yep. But they feel s- so much more real whenever you fi- like come across them, because whenever you, you run to get them, like where you come across like one splicer, you always hear them murmuring. Like yeah. you always hear like the murmuring to themselves. They're looking at a wall. They're just sitting in a corner, and you're just you don't know. Are they going to turn and attack me or should I just try to walk by? Again, right. this is like early, early game so you're not really aware what's happening. You'll find out you should find out soon enough that all of them are going to attack you regardless, so <laughs> run run and run, either run or attack them. Like don't <laughs> don't try to walk by them. Right. Um, um so- for for quick imagery
0: of a splicer, they they're like like psychotic zombies but they're not, like, slow, right? They're just, they're, like, hu- you know, yeah. human speed, and they're pretty bloodlusty. So. Yes,
1: they're very fast.
0: Yeah, and they're, they're like, like kind of zombies sometimes, or, like, kind of just, like, chill or do their own thing. Like, these guys, if they, like, notice you, like, they're, they're ready to pounce. And, um... Yeah. And, uh, ammo supply is limited.
1: Very limited.
0: Game. So it's not, very like... Limited. It's not, like, shooting these guys is just, you know, sh- like, run and gun and... You know, enjoy slaughtering them. It's kind of like, well, sh- is it worth killing these guys? Because I might
1: not have ammo for something later on down the line. Yeah. Uh, and that's something like, the game does very well as well. It it makes you feel like very, very like um, what's the word? Like limited. Yeah. <laughs> like you have options, but then you have to really calculate. Do I want to do this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot A lot of survival um, aspects. Yeah, which like I'm pretty sure developers didn't really bother like thinking about. They just kind of made it happen that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I remember my very first run through, I ran out of bullets like ten minutes into the game, (laughs) and all I was stuck with that stupid wrench. (laughs) (laughs) So, and this was okay. So later on the game, like maybe twenty minutes in, you get introduced to the first like kind of like fantasy element or sci-fi element of the game, which is the plasmids which give you abilities.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think the first one you get is fire. Yep. So you inject yourself with, like, the solution, and it, like, alters your DNA so that you can do... You pretty much can shoot fire from your left hand for the sake of the game. hmm And so that kind of helps balance the fact that, like, okay, maybe, like, I can't use all my bullets on one thing, so I can use this power to kind of help, like, fend off whatever I need to fend off. Mm-hmm. Um... So, when you get introduced to the Plasmus, you're like, oh, sweet, I have, like, more opportunities to, like, now, like, not be afraid. Wrong. <laughs> because the moment you get powered, you, you run into another splicer that you find out, oh, she can teleport, that's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and
2: it's
1: like, I, I, don't, I have no idea what to do against that. <laughs> and so, it's just like, the game does, like, a very good job of, like, making you feel like, whenever you make progress, you're like, but guess what? Everything just gets a little bit harder now. No. M- m- just a little bit worse for you. <laughs> or like, the spiders just get a little bit more clever or they get a little bit more like aggressive. <laughs> you know? Or also, like, they can use guns. Like, when when did you start using guns? Yeah.
0: You're like, ah, I kind of wish I didn't get this upgrade so it'd be like it was before.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, I would just run around with a wrench. But... <laughs> so, that's kinda like how the game kinda develops. It's like it's your typical like RPG, almost RPG esque yeah. like game where like you know, you get certain abilities, you have a skill tree, you build certain abilities, and then like you can grow those abilities. Mm-hmm. Um which now I think this kind of blends in perfectly to talking about the story of the game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, once you get your plasma abilities and you learn you can shoot fire, um, you are then introduced to what is called a little sister, mm-hmm. and it is not a cute picture. <laughs> the very first introduction, because the very first time you see one, she's stabbing like a dead body with this giant needle, and like she's just stabbing it, <sighs> it's making this like this squishy noise, right. and you're like and you're just kind of staring at that, and then like you'll hear Atlas like go on the radio, the guy who's been helping you, saying like, "Hey, look at that! That's a little sister. Disgusting little thing." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's like he'll be saying, like, you know, those things are like they used to be little girls, but they're no, they're monsters now, you know. And just like look at it, it's draining that guy full of um uh, what's called Adam, which is like the the little I think it's like an energy source or like a something that's a value commodity for like the splicers. Like the splicers all want it. Yeah. Um and so he's just saying, like, Oh, look at that little sister, it's like draining that guy Adam. And then you kind of, like, it's, again, this is where the game just does so well. It's like, when you see it, it's spotlighted on just the little sister and the dead body. Mm-hmm. And you, you'll kind of see a splatger kind of walk into the spotlight. And, you know, splicers at this point, you know, they're insane or very menacing. And so you see the splatger threatening the little sister. And you're like, Well oh, shoot, let's can I say the little, like, the little girl? know because there's this bulletproof window in front of you so you can't do anything mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's when you're introduced to probably one of the coolest video game concepts i've ever seen in my entire life just the big daddy <laughs> the big daddy <laughs> like that is like if there's a video game that like makes you like worried like whenever you're playing whenever you hear a certain noise BioShock has like done that to me. Yeah, yeah. Like there's like I'll still play video like I'll still play video games and I hear a certain noise and I'll just panic, looking like every direction to see like is there something in the area. <laughs> and so you hear like this the big daddy it's like it's kind of hard to really describe what they sound like, but it sounds like this kind of like a really deep like groan or a moan or I I don't know like it sounds like a ship horn going off. Yeah, yeah. And then. You just see it approach, and then the splicer tries to attack the big daddy, and then you just see that thing just charge it, and like they have like the big some big daddies have like a giant drill on their right arm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You just see it drill that thing like a splicer, and just, just tearing apart. Yeah, and then and then you're like, and then you're told like, oh yeah, and then Atlas is like, oh yeah, by the way, little sisters are always protected by that giant thing. So you see a little sister, look out for that thing. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: and then um. I think he actually, like, the game progresses a little bit more, and you complete, like, one or two more, like, quests or missions. And then you get into a scenario where you have to fight the big daddy. Mm-hmm. Or, like, Atlas tells you, like, hey, you need to get the little girl. But in order to get the little girl, it's been established that you need to fight the big daddy. Right. And that's one of those fights where you realize, like, it's one of those... Fights where you realize I have to exhaust every resource I have to fight this thing. Yeah. Especially early game, you have nothing. So I remember like just running out, of like completely all my bullets, like running through all my power, and I was like, I have nothing but a wrench. I'm just gonna wail on this and see what happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember like running in circles for like 20 minutes just to kill one,
1: because like I'm just like
0: <laughs> just doing doing what you can.
1: Yeah. In the early game you're just so low level and you can't do anything. It's so the game does a really good job of making you realize I have to be very smart about picking my battles or my fights with these things. Yeah, um, eventually you beat it. Yeah.
0: Um. Really quick, the big daddies. They the best way I can describe them is like Nautilus from League of Legends. Yeah. They're just. And. Yep. Yeah.
1: That's that's exactly it.
0: Yeah. Very similar and kind of sound the same too. You know, the deep, deep sea kind of yeah. sound. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Nautilus and Annie combo. What's it
0: <laughs> up?
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you run into the Big Daddy. Um, the fight continues. And it goes over. And then Atlas kind of tells you, like, oh, hey, harvest that little girl. Because they have, like, the little sea slugs in them that help create Adam or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or produce Adam. It's like, harvest them. But in order to harvest them, you have to technically kill the girl. Mm-hmm. But then he was Ar- Atlas arguing, like, Oh, no, no, they're they're just monsters. Like, don't think of them as little girls anymore. Right. And then you're like, so in your head, like, okay, yeah, sure, yeah, there's little <laughs> monsters. And then that's when you get raided in by another person. Um, what's her name? She was, it's like a female, Tenenbaum. Yep. Tenenbaum. You get raided in by this lady named Tenenbaum, Dr. Tenenbaum. And she was, she kind of identified herself as like one of the lead scientists that helped create the little sisters. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of tells you, like, "Hey, don't don't kill the little like the little sisters. Like they're still human beings, right? And they've just been like turned into experiments against their wills, and they don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like they're just doing what they've been programmed to do. Like you tell what like, she's telling you. Like she's trying to convince you, don't do that. And this is where Bioshock finally introduced you to the concept of moral decision." <laughs> Um, this is essentially the only time you get to decide your moral decisions Unlike, you know, Mass Effect or nice of the Old Republic or Jade Empire, where you're given multiple opportunities to choose: do I want to be a dick or do I not want to be a dick? Right, right, right. <laughs> like this one is literally: it's, you pick up the little girl and you stare at her in the face and you go, "Don't want it." And then like Tenevam tells you, like, "Oh, you can save them and help turn them into normal little girls," but you get you don't get as much Adam, which is very important for um, buying the plasmas and buying your abilities to help you upgrade your abilities. Right. But then Adam's method of harvesting them was saying like, oh, if you harvest them, you get a ton more Adam until so you can, like, you know, you have a ton more experience points to like level up your abilities. Mm-hmm. So, and then the game literally just puts a little girl on your face and it says, A, like, saver, B, killer. <laughs> and it's just like, me being the good, hearted person I am, I was like, I just saved every single one of them. But um, something that is a recurring thing throughout the game is you hear Atlas and Tenenbaum, like, they'll bicker with each other yeah. on the radio. Like, Atlas will say one thing, and Tenenbaum will say, that is a terrible idea, and then Atlas will respond again. He'll radio back in. He's like, like how do you know you can trust her? <laughs> and, oh, uh, I think this is an important fact. Atlas originally identifies himself as a person like you, where his submarine got marooned in Rapture. Right, right. That's a key point. <laughs> so, so at this point, you're not really sure, like, what's going on. You don't know who to trust, right? Because you're like, well, you have one woman telling you one thing. You have this guy telling me... There's this guy who's been with you since the start of the game telling you another thing. Right. right. And then that conflicts. And then Andrew Ryan starts... Andrew Ryan starts um calling in on you. Right. right. Apparently, everyone has your cell phone number. <laughs> and he starts calling in, and he does a very good job of... The voice actor was phenomenal for Andrew Ryan. Mm -hmm,
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Like, he had, like, this old weariness, like, conviction to his voice, where he just sounded like he knew what he was doing, and he understood, like, what he was doing. And um, so Andrew Ryan gets introduced, and earlier I mentioned that Andrew Ryan is a... like, the creator of Rapture. Yeah. So so he starts phoning in, and then... Now you, now you get, like, three different voices that are, like, talking to you throughout the game, and you don't know who to trust, and the game never really explicitly tell you who's good who's bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the game kind of progresses from there on out, and you, you keep, com- like, very RPG-esque, you complete, like, little side quests for certain characters to get into certain areas, so yeah. you know, I thought that was unique. And the fact that um, this game is actually, t- it's like an uh, enclosed, open open environment. Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm you can Uh, backtrack to early parts in the level
0: uh yeah andrew ryan was voiced by armin shimmerman never
1: heard of him but he did a good job so yeah like because there's one thing in particular that it was just like dead on where you like realize the giant mistake you make (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so here's the spoiler guys so we're talking about since we're talking about the story <laughs> Let's get into it. Okay. This game didn't realise there was gonna be a huge plot twist in it. Yeah. Like, it was probably in my opinion, probably the biggest video game plot twist I have ever run into.
0: Yeah, probably one of the best ones I've ever
1: experienced. It was very well hidden. No one saw it coming. And as soon as they revealed it, like it's just you just sit in your chair and you're like Oh wow. That was <laughs> Very well thought out. <laughs> um, so the plot twist is, you find out as you progress the game, you learn that what really brought Rapture into ruins was there's was this massive civil war mm-hmm. between this guy named Fontaine and Andrew Ryan. Mm-hmm. And Fontaine was like this power hungry, power hungry guy that just wanted to seize control of the city and like get all the power for himself, like all the power, like the atom, and like just get all that power. And Andrew Ryan, being very idealistic and not um, very pragmatic, his his, um, solution to that was, I'm just going to destroy the city or just let the city rot. Mm -hmm. So no one gets out, no one gets in, no one gets out. And so the big plot twist is, eventually you're sent to go um, confront Andrew Ryan. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And when you approach him, like it's... You think you're gonna get you're in for a boss fight, but what you know, dude, you just walk into the office and he's like playing mini golf, like <laughs> oh, yeah. or. and you're and you're <laughs> so like the whole time you're just thinking like okay, maybe... and like the again bringing back to the lighting of the game, everything around Andrew Ryan's dark, and all you have is just this one like like overhanging light that's just spotlighting Andrew Ryan, mm-hmm. and so everything's very dark, so you can only really focus on Andrew Ryan. So I was thinking like okay, something's going to pop out of the dark or something. Or like, There's probably a big daddy behind him or something. And then what happens is he starts talking to you, and then he brings up this line that a, uh, what was it, like a slave obeys, or a slave obeys, but a man. What was the exact words? Like it was a very poignant line. It was, um. Oh, a man chooses a slave obey. <laughs>
2: and mm-hmm. then
1: and then he he asked, and then he kind of poses the question, "Are you a slave?" And then you, do the video game, and you play like a very you play as a silent protagonist. So mm-hmm. essentially, he's addressing you, right? He's addressing like as, you as a player, as a player, and you're like, "Well, no, I mean, I mean, I'm following the story of the video game, right?" Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm doing what I want, right? Yeah, I'm doing the quest because I want to get out of this, this mission and beat the game. And then you kind of realize, and I think this is where like it makes the plot just so like meta hmm because they essentially called you out on playing a video game <laughs> because he goes a man chooses label base and then you learn that throughout the video game um he reveals that like that your character has um is a sleeper agent who is sent back to rapture and he has these uh this code word that, like, makes him uh, follow these orders, which is, would you kindly? hmm hmm And when he says that, like, the video game literally flashes back between, like, every single time you've done a quest, and Atlas says, would you kindly? Yeah. And you're like, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when you're like, was I helping the villain the entire video game? Yeah, yeah. It, and then... It makes it so, like, um...
0: So, like, the game is fairly linear like you don't there's like side quests and stuff but there isn't a whole lot you can do outside of the main mission and then like to use to use that gaming concept as a plot twist as a way of 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 being meta of screwing with your head as a player was so clever it's like it's like oh wow, wow. yeah
1: yeah like i remember my immediate reaction was oh gosh i made a mistake <laughs> And then, and then, like Atlas, and then, like this, you know, the scene continues, and then he essentially kills himself, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. in a very gruesome manner. Right, and you beat him, you beat him to death with the golf clubs he was using. But, like, I just remember sitting there, and I was like, that was not expected at all. <laughs> like, I don't know, what was your reaction when you first saw that, dude? Um,
0: I went through that part. Uh, I think you were there with me, and yeah, um, and you because you played the game multiple times at that point and so you were ready for it and so you're like you're like all right Chris here it comes right and then right when it happened I was I was dumbfounded I was just like I I was literally I was just staring at the computer like expressionless and I was like wait what like literally I was like wait what just happened like did I like did I screw up? Like, did I play the game wrong? Like, did I was I am I a bad guy? Like, I just like sat there and I'm like, Jeremy, what, what just happened? And Jeremy's like, dude, I know. And I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh, oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, it's just like no one sees that plot twist coming. And then the best part is like when you replay the game, like you can just hear it throughout the entire yeah, game. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it's so good. And you're like, okay, they hinted it, but to everyone else, it just sounded like. He was just giving, being like, you know, nice about it, polite about it, mm-hmm. you know, the keyword was witchy kindly. Mm-hmm. So it was at that point, like, the, then the story then became very prototypical, like, all right, now you know who the, the real bad guy is, go take him down yeah. and help escape. And then um, that's pretty much what made Bioshock so great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was that, it gave you a reason to hate a certain character.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah the um yeah Bioshock did a like it did a really good job of of I would say like in a way it's an advanced video game because it kind of assumes you've played other games and know what playing a video game is like yeah and and then using those experiences to to screw with your head yeah (laughs) it's like oh my gosh wow like like
1: good job (laughs) yeah like like just the like the meta-ness of like the whole like when you realize all these little side quests that you thought you were doing because it's part of the game we were like no you had no choice.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm mm-hmm. No. So
1: that so, was super cool. unique. So that was why Bioshock in my opinion beats out Halo 2, is because I don't think in any universe Halo will ever drop and that's the problem with Bioshock. It ruined all plot twists for video games for me. <laughs> like, no video game will ever have a plot twist, like, that good. Yeah.
0: yeah it really is excellent.
1: So. Yeah. All right. Um, that's number two. Yeah, Bioshock.
0: Um, I would I would say go play it, but you, you should have played it during the pause times.
1: <laughs> you definitely should have played it. <laughs> and now you're just stuck with Bioshock 2 and Infinite, which are good game but it's not bioshock one um
0: i heard that i heard really good things about especially infinite i actually i heard very mixed things about infinite
1: uh well infinite it's very good it's um different kind of a game yeah it's um like the little grappling hook mechanic makes it a very different game versus you know i said bioshock and bioshock 2 to to a degree was very claustrophobic Mm -hmm. like yeah you're giving an open world explorer but when you like think about it like I'm not, I'm not really in an open world. Like everything around me is surrounded by water. Yeah. Yeah. Versus Infinite was like, oh, cr- I can go anywhere. <laughs>
2: like,
1: <laughs> I can hop from here to here. Like there's, there's this very open feeling. Mm. So I haven't actually played through the entire Infinite experience myself. I played the demo. But so far, like from the demo and just seeing the game itself, it's a very well done game. Um, 2K, the developer for the 2K games, yeah. They, they put time and effort in Bioshock. It's very polished when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, like Bioshock is just ruined plot twists for video games for me. So when you play a Bioshock game, you know there's a plot twist coming. Yeah. yeah. so it just doesn't hit you as hard as the first one. Mm. Yeah. And I Bioshock know. Two with Bioshock Two, the problem with that game, great game, very well polished, very well developed. It just felt like a little too much. Like let's revisit what made Bioshock One still so great and maybe add one or two things here and there mm. so it yeah. didn't really feel like a standalone game
0: yeah yeah. i i've been recommended infinite actually quite a bit so uh it's on the queue sadly yeah mm-hmm. uh, uh, well it no. ties
1: into bioshock one
0: yeah yeah that's why i heard uh,
1: yeah especially the dlc nice
0: so all right all right awesome game bioshock and for the great number one Jeremy, what have you got for us? Can you take a guess? Is it Football Manager? It's
1: absolutely Football Manager.
0: (laughs) It's Football Manager. (laughs) (laughs) Football Manager. (laughs) Why? I I I knew it, but I'm so confused at the same time.
1: (laughs) Football Manager. Okay, okay. Okay. The first two games, like there was a theme building up about like the open world and like the storytelling, and then here's (laughs) the point. <gasps> oh, okay,
0: okay. here's context of my relationship with Jeremy and football manager. okay. I have no idea what football manager is. The only thing I know about football manager is that Jeremy plays it like he's the only person I know that plays it he's um and the only things I've seen about it is like reviews from like right clicking his profile and Jeremy literally has like thousands of hours into
1: football manager. Uh... I think I'm pulling up right. <laughs> I'm up right now. Let's see what I got. <laughs> oh my gosh, I have close to 1,100 hours
0: on, um, and that's just on Football Manager.
1: 2014. Oh no, no, no. The 13 and 14 combined.
0: 1,100. Oh my goodness. And
1: well, that's okay. That's 2011, 2014, and that's not acknowledging 2000, 2008. Or two thousand eight, yeah. Two thousand eight, two thousand even on Steam?
2: How? How?
0: Okay, okay. But <laughs> what, what is Football Manager? I, I'm right. so happy that I finally get to know why. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. All right. I. So if I if you go to Steam, um, it describes the game as a. Uh, realistic, in-depth, immersive football management, management simulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is under the categories of sports simulation, management, and football. Mm-hmm. For all you Americans out there, this is not American NFL football. This is, they're talking about football and soccer. Yeah.
0: European football.
1: Europe, yeah, European football. So, I can go on and on about this game, like, probably more than Bioshock, but. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I'll try to limit myself. I'll try to limit myself. Okay. All right. So, so basic premise of this game is you take control of a, of a, uh, a soccer team. And the soccer team is, they built their database to pretty much include probably, I think, almost every team that exists in the world. And I don't know if you heard me say that correctly. That database pretty much includes every team that exists in the world, and if there, there the the developer database doesn't include it, there are user database that adds those extra teams. Wow, that exists in the world, and I'm talking professional and semi-professional.
2: Wow, so, oh, really?
1: <laughs> right off the back, you have a buttload of options to pick from. Um. <laughs> generally I don't play the semi professional teams because it's it's pointless. Like um the leagues just don't go anywhere. Mm. But it gets so I play like the more popular European teams and um this is where the game gets interesting to me. Okay. So <laughs> so you take control of a team and you become what's called a manager in uh, soccer. Right. I'm gonna call it soccer for the sake of soccer. Uh for people understanding. So you become a manager which is essentially the head coach of the soccer team Mm -hmm. now what's unique about your uh like soccer like as a professional sport namely in europe Mm -hmm. is generally Mm -hmm. the head coaches aren't just purely head coaches they are also like the general manager and like they are essentially yeah the general manager Mm -hmm. so they are in charge of staff hiring um buying and signing players um releasing players um, firing staff. Like, someone in your staff is doing terrible. You fired them. <laughs> like, why the heck would you keep them? Right. So, like, you compare a contract that was a sport you're familiar with, namely basketball, which is imagine Steve Kerr given full authority over the Golden State Warriors. Like, whatever. Like, like the owner's like, here's our money. I want you to build me the best team you got.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And Steve Kerr's like, okay, so like, and the owners will say, like, if you need like a crap load of money to sign LeBron James here it is you know, <laughs> if you need like a ton of money to build a new facility like here it is nice um, nice um, so that's and like that's what essentially a manager is in the very basic term it's like they go to the like the owners and say our team is sucking and this is why cuz i don't i can't buy these players or i can't have these facilities i can't bring them up so you take on those duties and football manager. you, you, you the, build a facility in this game you so it's interesting. So you don't like you see yourself build it. It is okay. The game itself is a simulation game. Right. You don't. It's weird in the sense like you're not an active participant in the game. Right. So um, so what you can do is so when you take charge of a, of a certain team, um, I like to I like to challenge myself and I always like to start like in the lower like the lower leagues and try to promote my team through the ranks mm-hmm. and try to like get them into the top division and like win everything. Mm-hmm. and then when i do that i dish them and i try to find another team and then like build them up through the ranks <laughs> do you find um, your old teams yeah you do oh huh, and cool. it's sometimes really frustrating because you're like you're just staring at a player and you're like i developed you and you're way too good <laughs> <laughs> what does it take to get you back on my team <laughs> <laughs> huh? no it's like it's like like i said like if you were to take like literally like compare and compare something you under identify it's like imagine steve kerr you know he went with that you know go to state warriors helped them get to the championship right like crazy good team Mm -hmm. after this season he's like i'm bored with this i want a new challenge he goes to the lakers he's like and he tried yeah exactly he tried to build the lakers back up and then if you play steph curry it's like crud like what will it take to get him back on my team
0: hey steph you you know me
1: come on come on yeah and (laughs) the best part is is so in this game is they have a i don't know what kind of algorithm or like System, like database they're using that like calculates these things, but certain um, players will develop like um, affiliation or not affiliations, but they'll develop like likeness, liking you. Mm. So they'll say like, oh, I, I prefer, I like this head coach, or I like this trainer, or, I like playing with this player. So if you put these players together, they kind of build team chemistry together, and they kind of grow to like like each other, mm. and then they perform better. Um, so that's kind of my deal is I like building things up and then dumping them and trying to build another team up. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have one save. It's like my guilty pleasure save, which is I play <laughs> my favorite team and I just make them supremely dominant. and <laughs> <know I'm- laughs> But so that's the very basis of Football Manager. It's a simulation game. And then in terms of facilities, so when you build a team up, yeah. so like I start with the lower league and they don't have a lot of money. So I kinda of build them up, build a reputation up. You know, the more reputable they get, the more like um likely a player will want to play for us, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then you can approach the team owners and they'll go you can say like, hey, like our team is doing really, really well right now, but our facilities are absolute poo poo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> like like I like I can't develop any good players because I have to keep buying new players or like keep swapping them in and out. To get like good players to play here. Mm-hmm. so like would you be willing or can you build this facility because it'll help our team success? And then each owner is programmed to have like a certain personality. So you play the money angle like, oh our team performs better, we get more money, therefore you get more money. Mm. Or if our team or like some are just more like I want the team there's just like um like some managers are just our owners are just fans of their team that they own. So they'll just say oh i give me this facility and all this other nice stuff that the team will become a more reputable team in the future.
2: Hmm.
1: So, it's little things like that. And then they built this like little algorithm or like something that like helps calculate whether the owner is ready to commit or they're not ready to commit. So
0: Okay, okay. Um, so,
1: lots awesome of things to talk okay, about.
0: Okay, okay. Couple questions. First, right. um, have you, in this game, have you run across uh anthony hamilton i have you really <laughs> i
1: i bought him he wasn't very good <laughs> but i kept the stash on the team everywhere i go nice mainly because he's dirt cheap but <laughs> i'm like yeah i'm gonna keep him mm. i don't care take a bench spot it's not like anyone's gonna be like the 24th worst player in the team so like anthony <laughs> hamilton is yours and here's like Eighty thousand pounds a week just because I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, for context, Anthony Hamilton
0: was me and Jeremy's uh, college friend, and he he moved on to become uh, he he went pro right in the MLS. He went
1: pro for a short stint. I think he's I think he might be quote unquote retired, or I think he might be playing like the lower leagues. Yeah, but he was on um, a couple MLS.
0: Major League Soccer teams. Um, I think for like a couple years. Good amount.
1: Good amount. Yeah. Good yeah. couple years. So that's so, pretty awesome. I, that's first thing I did, was I went to the little search database and I'm like, oh, there he is, American. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Wow. Um. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go on. Oh no, I was gonna say, yeah, question. I'm assuming you got questions for me.
0: Yeah. Um. So, what? What? Okay. Let's start with you personally. What? What made you eleven hundred hours? How? <laughs> is what I'm trying to ask. Uh, okay, so,
1: okay, this game is weird. Um, if I were to play it in front of you, you would probably not understand why it's fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> because what happened? It's a simulation game. Uh-huh. Um, and it's not like farm simulator where you're actually, or like goat simulator where you're actually moving things in the simulation game. Yeah. It is the thing. Is like you buy players, you manage the team, and then when it came come time to, for a team to play another team, you just click um, start match, and then you just watch them play. <laughs> and you just watch, and like these are like like it's not like the greatest graphics. You're watching like the Super Nintendo or the Star Fox graphics, <laughs> like, running around with like a little white dot that's supposed to be the ball, and you just kind of watch it. You you just so to me. I think that's the most interesting part of the game. Is people would be like, that's the most boring part of the game if you're not doing anything. You're just staring at the screen with a bunch of little things moving. Uh-huh. But, so, what makes it so interesting is you manage the game. So, um, during the game, especially, I think, so 2007 to 2011, they didn't really, um, it was very straightforward. Like, you set the lineup, you set a couple strategies, and then you just press play. And you hope your team isn't stupid enough to do anything stupid, mm-hmm. and they will follow your instructions. Um, generally, you know, 50% of the times you're good at your job, they do. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's a there's the other 50% of the time that someone will do something very stupid and get a red card, and you're just like, why did you do that? <laughs> but now, move to 2014, so like, the game is advancing now. Like every year, they introduce something new. Um, 2014 is when they kind of changed the match engine a lot, which to me right now is still the best match engine compared to 2015. Mm, Wow. Um, And the reason why I say that is because 2014, when you make changes, you have to wait for a dead ball for the changes to kick in. Okay. But for the most part, the players aren't idiots, and they follow your exact instructions. Mm -hmm. And so what you do is you kind of plan for game flow you're watching the game flow, and you realize, okay, a certain player's doing well, keep him on. A certain player is injured, but he can keep playing, and he's playing very well, keep him on. And then you get, you know, the other one where, like, this player's doing jack squat, and I look at his stats, and, like, he's, like, he's somehow, like, his player ratings, like, in, like, like the really low ratings, like, okay, I need to take this guy out and put someone else more effective in his role. Mm-hmm. And then I think 2014 also is when they introduce more player roles, so it's not just... Here's a forward, here's, like, you know, you're your striker, you're a midfielder, and you guys are defenders, not the goalie. Right. Now, it's, it's, like, options for goalies, like, goalies, you know, stay within the goalie box, or goalie, be more adventurous, and, like, there's a ball coming loose, like, go out and get it. Ooh. Um, and then, like, for, like, defenders, like, you know, I want you to sit back, like, don't be aggressive, like, just, you know, form a wall, don't, like, let anyone try to get by you. Or you could say, you know, defenders, be more aggressive, push up and pressure more heavily. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can switch things like that. Um, Is there like a stamina and stuff? There's stamina involved too. Hmm. So you look, you can monitor their stamina, and I, um, I like to brag right now that I personally keep my players very well trained. <laughs> they generally don't tire out very much, but I do have a couple old veteran players that, like, you know, they're old and they can't play a full 90 minutes, so I'll sell them out, like, appropriately. Hmm. Um, but. It's just like watching that game flow and like making those little tweaks here and there. So it's like essentially playing chess without you moving. You're 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 giving instruction to your chess pieces, and you're watching them move and seeing how the opponent responds to that. Mm, I the, see, I see. the other side of the chess board. So if the other ch- chess chess decides says so like, oh hey, they're moving in for a check and they do something else, and you see that, and you're like, what what I'm doing is working really well against them. So you keep taking off like little like. Again, going back to the chess analogies, like you keep taking off little pieces, like like you keep um, claiming the other pieces on the chessboard, and you're, you're kind of slowly beating your opponent. Yeah. Then you kind of keep with, going with the same thing. If you like do it another way, and you guys are just trading blows left and right, and you're like, I got to change something. So.
2: Mm.
1: Um. So, how long is a game in like real time? Uh. <laughs> so. There's an option, I don't know if I know anyone who's done this, where you sit through the whole 90 minutes Dude. per game. Um, there are, depending on which league you're in, by the way, I might add, um, some leagues have like more than 30 games a season. <laughs> I've known one, I saw one person on my community, like the football manager community out there, who does that. And everyone asks him the same question is why? <laughs> um most he just says he enjoys the slower pace because it allows him to kind of like his rationale is like it allows him to like get off the computer, like go make breakfast or something, come back and the match is still going on and then like he can go like watch TV and then come back and it's still going on for a little bit. Okay. But Why would you why would you do that? So but I I personally play at like a very fast speed, so most of my most of my games last roughly four to five minutes
0: perfect sounds
1: awesome which is why i log so much time (laughs) (laughs) this is why (laughs) this game i don't know what it is about it but once you get into it it literally sucks you in (laughs) um undergrad there's been times where i'll start i'll start playing the game around 10 and then my roommate will go to sleep and i'm like okay whatever i got a couple extra hours and I look at my clock and I'm like, oh, it's 2 o'clock. I should probably go to bed too. Because I got class at 8. So, that's what happened. It's just like, it sucks you in. Because it's like, <laughs> those 4-5 to five minute games. And you're like, oh, that was good. Well, let's, let's play another one, like, see how it goes. And then you, you start playing it and you're like, that didn't go well. Let's play another one, see how that goes. <laughs> and it's just like, it's, it's, addicting, it's an addicting game. Because it sucks you in once you enjoy it. Um... Something I want to point out about... So, 2014... Actually, just... Football Manager base game, like Vanilla, mm-hmm. without any of the weird little additions that 14 had added, or 13, had, like the newer games have added. It's a pretty overwhelming game. Mm. Because it puts you virtually in charge of every aspect of running a team. So, like, their training, um, player recruitment, like, bringing up the youth, like, youth development... Um, dealing with the veterans, like wow. handling contracting, like deciding, like hiring fi- staff, hiring, firing staff, um, you know, managing facilities, all that other stuff. So it's a lot of stuff to do. So, what Football Manager has done to help ease new fans into the game is they um, created this mode called Classic Mode, which is very ironic or like weird that they call it Classic Mode. Okay, mm-hmm. I was Classic Mode is the original mode. <laughs> But classic mode is what it... What classic mode is... Well, actually, I just realized why they call it classic mode now. Okay, classic mode is referring back to... Prior to 2006, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. So classic mode is... Now, they eliminate all that, and all you have to worry about is your players and your team. Nice. Like, you don't have to worry about any of the micromanaging. <laughs> which makes it easier for players, new players to get into the game, to kind of learn the game. Mm-hmm. Because... Again, it's very daunting, and it's also weird when people are like, "Oh, I'm gonna get like so-and-so player," and you plug them into your team, and they do absolute crud. Like, like, I spent a buttload of money on this guy, and like, you realize this he doesn't work out. Which is something I like for this game, because like I said, it's a pure simulation game. So you, the user, cannot directly affect the outcome of the game. Mm-hmm. Versus like FIFA or like NBA games, like NBA 2K games, where like you play the player, you can play a crappy player, like. Or a mediocre player like Jeremy Lin, and mm-hmm. have him like go off for like forty points in the video game. Right, right. Which realistically doesn't really happen, maybe a lot if ever. <laughs> and so this game kind of like limits you to that. Right, so, right. Minus
0: Lin sanity, but uh... minus
1: Lin sanity. Well, he still I think he only maxed out at thirty something like that.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, close to forty, but not yeah. quite. Against the freaking Lakers. <laughs> um, so. Okay, so let's go into longevity of the game itself. Uh, so, so you were mentioning that there's like aging in the game, right? And yes. Um. And so, how how does a game like factor it doesn't in... end?
1: <laughs> it never ends. It, I think it ends when you're they realize that your manager, in game manager, is like over the age of seventy, forces <laughs> you to retire. Uh, how does it factor in youth and stuff? Um. So it uh. It, it does this thing called regen or the, the terminology is regens in the football manager community <laughs> and what regens are are um, they kind of take retired players and they like kind of recreate younger versions of themselves oh, interesting so the weird part is is these regen or well, regen in whatever club they retired at okay so for example if um, let's use a very popular name like Cristiano Ronaldo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say, like he kind of like starts um, regressing and he gets a little bit older. Not as quick, not as skilled, and Real Madrid doesn't want him anymore. So they mm-hmm. sell him to like some random club at some random club in like I don't know America, yeah, the United States. He goes to the MLS, right? He retires in the MLS. He regent as a Portuguese player born in the United States. Oh, okay. okay. And and then, so what happens is these regions become, like, little hidden gems. Because it's impossible to keep track of every good player in the game. Uh-huh. like, this data, the database is massive. <laughs> it's huge. It's very, very big. And the community does a very good job of updating their, like, the database to make sure it's accurate, like, throughout the world. So, wow. like, people, like, people in Asia or living in Australia, they'll, like, input their like their information about as much as they know about whatever teams in Asia into the database. So it's a yeah, big database. Yeah. It's crazy. And he can go to any team. We don't you don't it's hard to keep track of like every player. So like every once in a while I'll be curious, like, look up a certain player, see like, oh, like where did so and so go? I'll see they're retired. Then my immediate response would be where did they retire? <laughs> <laughs> then I'll look them, like is there anything like close to his description? Because in regents, they don't happen right away after they retire. Sometimes it happens one year after, immediately, two years, three years. So it it keeps the, like, variety. You're headhunting. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that's what um, regens are. And then, um, like I said, like, longevity of the game, it literally continues till, like, the game recognizes realistically, you, virtual manager, are too old to be doing this job. And then it, Um, what what happens? Is it just... it, It just says, like... And, like, you, like, the option is, like, resign as manager.
2: <laughs> what? Yeah,
1: Yeah. Like I never got to that point because that's, I always start around my age was, like, 25. Uh-huh. Unless you start as young as, like, I think you're as young as 25. Mm. So for me to get to that point, I need to play 45 video game years. <laughs> as of right now, in 2014, on my current save that I've been playing for the last two years, or no, last four years, my manager has aged only to age thirty six. Oh, what? Yeah. Dang. So, I mean, for me to get to seventy, that's a long time. A long yeah, length. that's crazy. And more than likely, I'll probably pick up the new one. So right, right. Um, so
0: um, oh yeah, go ahead. Do you have anything?
1: i always say, and then the one thing that I really like about Footman Manager is the community. Mm. It's, the online community is very good. Um, because. Um, because of licensing purposes, um, the game's not allowed to use pictures of the players. Mm-hmm. Like, certain players, they can put pictures on, so it's weird when you look at the video game. Yeah. <laughs> See, certain players have pictures, and some don't, because of licensing I- issues. And certain teams have, like, logos, but certain teams don't have logos. Mm-hmm. So, licensing issues. So, what the the community has done is they made, like, um, graphic packs to kind of, like, help, like, um, make the a aesthetics of the game look a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, And then there's another thing where, like, for some strange reason, I don't know why, but they're not allowed to use the Japanese or German national team in the video game. No. But okay. developers, being very smart, they left the um programming and coding open open for people to tinker around with. <laughs> so people will, like, post, like, okay, this is how you go into, like, the code, and, like, this is how you modify it so you can allow, like, access to those, t- um, those national teams.
0: Oh, cool.
1: So... The game itself is very mod like moddable. Nice. So that's what I liked about it.
0: Nice, it's awesome. Yeah, totally into that. So They have like a lot of like Steam Workshop stuff.
1: Uh no, they um I mean they have a Steam Workshop like Steam's trying to like get in on it. But the best um communities are outside. Um I use this community called FM database. Okay. All right. Yeah. SM database. Mhm. Which is like I think a like a British like a british run website
0: yeah yeah um yeah let shoot me the link so i can put it in uh the post for the episode yeah it's like fm
1: base or something like that it's something weird but yeah it's like a uk website but they post like like people post their tactics like their <laughs> strategies like and then like what's cool is like the people ask like hey i have a strategy can you guys test run it oh, and nice. I done that a couple times and my sometimes like this is great, I'm gonna keep it for myself. And sometimes I write it, I'm like, Okay, this is absolutely terrible. It's gonna be like changes like this doesn't work. Like I lost three games in a row really bad. So <laughs> um so speaking of strategies, what um
0: what are like some like advanced strategies that you're able to to do in the game? <laughs> a
1: lot. <laughs> really? So, yeah, a lot. Um so you have overall team strategy. Yeah which is, like, basic formation, like, this is how you guys are going to line up, and, like, each player has a certain... and Okay, so overall team strategy. This is my formation. This is how you guys are going to line up. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's equivalent to, like, the Golden State Warriors, like, setting up their offense. Right. This is how I'm going to, uh, like, manage the offense. And then you get to one level below, or one level above, or... Yeah. One, one level deeper into, like, the man, micromanaging, which is... Um, you each player, you can give them a specific designated role. Oh, wow. So, so now, each player has an individual role, saying like, okay, I want you to be this kind of player, I want you to be this kind of player, I want you to be this kind of player. And each role, like, what's cool about the game, it shows like, on attribute page, it, showed, it highlights, in order to be good at this role, they need to be, have these certain attributes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, again, it's, it's neat because then you can say, okay, I could like cater my strategy to match the players I have. Mm-hmm. Which, when you play with lower level teams and you don't have good players, your strategy is all that matters. Like the players are not going to matter. Wow, it's crazy. So, so it would be like, okay, I want like this midfielder to be this kind of midfielder. I want this midfielder to be more offensive minded. Mm-hmm. I want this midfielder, because he can't defend to not even bother defending. Like just do your all attack. Like don't, don't defend. <laughs> Like, so, man, and then like within those roles, then you could say I want them to be more defensive in their role or more attacking in their role. (laughs) So that's and then that's the level. And then beyond that team strategy, like the formation and individual player role, then you have um, what's called Uh, like team. They're like called team shouts, which is like instruction for the team, which is like be more aggressive on defense or lay like like lay back mm-hmm. With that? like the wingers like stay wide or go narrow can you stuff. say like watch out for this player yeah or it or, was cool you have assistant coach so like throughout the game they'll say like your assistant coach will pop up and it like a little like thing on the like the corner of the screen they'll say like so-and-so player has been wrecking this guy please put another defender on him oh, that's cool Dude, this game is so deep that's insane it's a very deep game. It's a very well-developed game. Um, what's interesting is they have this tradition of patching it only three times for some reason. Okay. They're, it's three patches. They do three major patches and that is it. <laughs> I have no idea what they do in those patches to be honest. It's not very evident. <laughs> like, the only one that I know is like the first patch is usually always because someone will figure out like a way to troll the, the match engine. <laughs> Uh-huh. like for a while there's in 2011 there's this stupid defensive formation called a nike formation okay where you have three defenders line up in a diagonal and one guy <laughs> shoot off like really up high uh-huh, like the uh-huh. like, swoosh. and for some reason the computer ai didn't know how to get pe- behind that <laughs> like for some reason like the computer ai was just dumbfounded like it couldn't figure out like that match engine so like the developers like program, like, one little fix that the computer eye will, like, instantly recognize. Um, so, usually the first patch is something related to the match engine. Wow, the, the, your formations are crazy. I didn't know it could be that specific. Yeah, you can move the players around the field, like, when you see the the grid, it's, like, literally a dot. There's, like, a... Like, four dots in the field, and you just pick a player, where, like, where you want to put them. Crazy. But, um... So... Usually, the first patch is like a match engine fix. The second patch is something like more like a tweak, maybe mm. like the smoothness of the game. And then the third patch is like, by the time you get to the third patch, it's like something weird. Like it's like something really, really small to like one small gameplay tweak or something like that. But overall, the core gameplay stays the same, which is nice. They don't add or detract from anything. Nice, nice. And like I said, the game is very open for modders to kind of interfere. Mm-hmm. That's so really you, cool. It, you can actually change, so they have like in-game ads that you know developers have to use to get sponsorship. Mm. But they left it open, the source <laughs> open. They left the source open, so people went in and like put in like stupid ads that you can like download, and, like <laughs> just a game. And so like I seen some people like they, one guy just literally used like all porn websites. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so like, and, and like developers they don't care like people like post pictures of it online like look at my football manager field and they're like and they're just like well we want it that's what we get so we're not gonna, we're not gonna mess with that it. it's funny so it's like they leave the swords very open for people to mod um, core gameplay they kind of keep close but like everything else is very easy to mod in that game mm. even like the UI you can modify which nice, is really nice.
0: so um okay Final question for this crazy game, yeah. Um, is there like competitive multiplayer? Uh,
1: they recently introduced that, but it's it's not really the same. Mm. It's more or less like back in the day before Steam got involved, it used to be like, hey, check out my like. It used to be more of a bragging right, like, mm. hey, check out my tactics, see what it does. And people were like, and we call them. The terminology among our user base is called like plug and play tactics, mm. where you just apply the tactics, plug in the right players, or plug in the players that he told you to get, and just watch them wreak havoc. <laughs> and, and then people brag like, you know, check that out, like, like on a budget, like that's the greatest thing ever. And <laughs> someone will try to one up that by like, I can do it cheaper <laughs> and do it better than you, and do it just. Slow. <laughs> and so that used to be the the like online. Competitiveness. Um, recently, they introduced like you can play each other's team online. It's that's hit or miss sometimes. Hmm. Some, so there is a thing called um, there's a real time editor called okay. Football Manager Real Time Editor. It's the guy went with basic name for the thing where you can modify the attributes for your team. yeah. Uh... So I played a team where I was like, how am I getting destroyed so bad? And I look at, like, every single player, and they're like, like, pretty much... So it's on a scale of 1 through 20, zero to 20. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, 20 in every category. And so I'm like, well, that explains everything. <laughs> so it's... They, I think the developers kind of realized that that's because of how easily it is to kind of tinker around with, like, the hard data of this game, that they don't really make competitive online. Mm. or they don't make like a online competitiveness that serious but what they do is they do realize that people used to brag <laughs> so they do have they have leaderboards oh, okay and i am not even close to like top 500 in my leader on our leaderboard dang what <laughs> does it measure it just measures your accomplishments so every like trophy you win has a certain value point value to it oh crazy and so the more trophy you earn the higher the point value is and then, like, I think they also can take into consideration like a variety of trophies you won, mm. or the variety of like, like championships you won. Like, so if you won like everything in Spain, won everything in England, won everything in Germany, won everything in the U.S. Like, each of those kind of tally up to a little bit more. Wow, it's crazy. So, so this game's more, it's like the more the competitiveness is more and less in the, the boasting and bragging aspect, mm. like claiming that this is. My, my strategies and my tactics are like the best thing and then some guy will say well mine are pretty flawless and then so okay I can get with that it's pretty cool it's like a different kind of competitiveness it's more like bragging boasting and bragging right right and then and then like proving to everyone like like if you don't believe me check this out
0: right right <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome um, so do you have any any last parting words for Football Manager
1: uh, super awesome game it will test your patience <laughs> um, very well especially if you're new to the game you don't know what's going on and my favorite thing about it is they actually do keep a timer in game oh <laughs> There's a timer in game and that timer is very quirky um, if you reach a certain number so for me 900 it, it asks me if I'm still alive i think at like 500 it says go home or like you have a family or something like that or it's something like go have a life Uh uh-huh like at 100 it's like be careful like uh 900 minutes like 900 minutes or 900 (laughs) hours 900 hours oh like total yeah like it'll it'll say something quirky like like it'll say like on the timer like oh like amount of time playing this game like something hours and it'll say like it will say something like along the lines like, um, "Please be sh- social" or like, "Remember to eat." Is it total hours or like hours you played in that session? Uh, total hours. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so, and then like one of the the funny running joke is like it will destroy your marriage. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's
1: so awesome. <laughs> I can't remember where I saw that, but I remember reading like I think like a lot of reviews always joke about like it ruining their like family life social nice. life. <laughs> Like for people who actually care about the game.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's funny.
1: <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, that uh, that's a that's a really quick look into Football Manager. Oh, I can go on and on about it. <laughs> um, man, I, I'm super excited that I got to learn about this game. This this game is yeah, <laughs> it's it's too deep. <laughs> I I'm in too deep. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, that is Jeremy's top three for tonight. We have um, Star Fox 64, Bioshock, and Football Manager. And um, yeah, Jeremy, thanks so much for coming onto the show tonight. Thank you. Yeah,
2: Hi.
1: I. Yeah, what? what's up? I'm sorry. I said for having me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had a Guys. blast. Yeah. Stop, stop talking. <laughs> no, this is what I do, I just interview you. <laughs> um
0: (laughs) but um but yeah guys um this is episode 28 of NPC Talk my name is Inkernaut here with Jeremy and for tonight guys we are out have a good night